This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Welcome everybody to another in our interview series. This is Douglas Carr of DK New Media and the MarTech Zone. Uh, I have on the line with me today, Jack McCush. Uh, Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, Jack is uh, the principal data scientist at Think Big Analytics, which is a Teradata company that is getting a ton of attention uh, of recent by, I think, every analyst in the industry. <laughs> so um, definitely, definitely go. Uh, let's see. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll walk off some of them. Um, they're a leader in six analyst evaluations in 2017, including Gardner, Forrester Research, and the information difference. Uh, they were also uh, a leader in the growing real-time interaction management market. And they were also, uh, let's see, they've also launched a, uh, back in April, a customer journey solution as well. So Teradata is really at the forefront of everything that's happening in analytics. And then we're excited to have Jack on the line um, and, and I'm going to read Jack, I'm going to read your bio on LinkedIn because it could, uh, they do a lot, you did a lot better writing it than I would say trying to throw it off the cuff. So, um, in Jack's current role, he is often leading data science projects for organizations that are either leaders in the digital space or undergoing digital transformations. Much of the financial benefits of data science are realized by organization um, organizations incorporating new and varied digital data and emerging technologies with their legacy data and analytics infrastructure. For the past decade, Hadoop ecosystems have uh, enabled the storage of new data. Today, Spark, Deep Learning, and Artificial Intelligence are enabling organizations to improve business and analytics processes with this data. Jack is helping some of the world's largest and most successful organizations plan and build the data engineering capabilities that enable data scientists to focus on algorithm and solution development. So I, I think I pronounced everything right in there too. <laughs> um, yep. and then Jack for, um, you know, for, for some of our listeners, you know, we have a range, we have, a, you know, people in small business all the way to tech companies. Uh, we have other SaaS companies. And then of course we have large, uh, companies listening. Um, let's talk about some of these, uh, solutions that, that you talk about. Obviously everybody's familiar with search. Um, but maybe you can talk a little bit to, uh, some of the, some of the, um, focus areas that, that you have been working on. So nat uh, natural language processing, NLP, can you speak to that and it's, uh, how it's application to analytics? Yeah, I, I think, you know, my expertise is, is really in the, the customer analytics side and implying some of these, you know, the, the new modern machine learning algorithms around the, the customer analytics realm. And, you know, for, for a long time, organizations have been, you know, building out on, on kind of the traditional uh, statistical approaches to understand customer behavior. So we saw a lot of propensity to buy, propensity to churn, um, you know, likelihood to move from one segment to another segment types of analytics. But, but really what we found recently is that there's a, a, a wealth of customer information um, in a lot of the text data that that organizations have around the customers, so that that could be you know the the, the data 
um, in chat sessions they have while they're on the website, you know, why they call the call center, email interactions they have with support personnel, comments on the on the website, or or even just their search behavior. So while they're on your website and they're looking for stuff, that's that's a pretty great clear indicator of their of their intent and behavior. And the analytics teams weren't weren't really um, analyzing a lot of that data. So and and you know part of it was uh, you know a skills challenge. Those weren't common analytic techniques you know taught taught in schools. But part of it was just the the processing power in systems ten five years ago weren't weren't able to uh, to handle that. So I, I think a lot of organizations are realizing the you know this you know they call it dark data. It's data that wasn't analyzed before has a lot of value in it, and and really to unlock that value, you need to apply um, you know new and different techniques to it. And then sometimes you know the traditional techniques work work well on the new data, but but the biggest gains come from looking at at this new data in in different ways wow that's a, and yeah so the the old school was you know let's grab the keywords that we find you know in a string and now you're gonna get behavior intent you know maybe even whether someone's upset or not <laughs> you know exactly yeah there's lots of lots of clues um, in there um, e- even um, you know, different types of segmentation. So we can, we can profile someone's interest, you know, based off that, off that behavior before we kind of looked at the products they may have clicked on or browsed or added to cart. But now we can, you know, look at kind of that, that natural language of how they think they, and, you know, how they're looking for, for, for products by that text or, you know, the comments that they leave um, really gives us you know, more and better clues often. Oh, that's fascinating. And then um, you mentioned text classification can you speak to that yeah so that's a um you know one of the easiest techniques to apply to that data is is to um group text um so we can you know we can provide unsupervised methods to group the the text and that's often how we take those the the terms that people enter the the phrases they enter and classify customers based off those interests. Um, we can also use the the text in the product descriptions themselves and look how people navigate different products. So actually a, a great example of that, I was working for a large, um, in one of the large home improvement retailers and um, you know, they were trying to understand customer behavior. So as you're, as you're browsing around the website, you, you may look at a, a faucet and some, you know, new knobs for your, your countertops. Um, you may look at some light fixtures um, and, you know, at first glance, you may not see any theme to that. You, you may say, well, these customers are, you know, browsing for, you know, products for, to, to do a kitchen remodel. But when you run through the text classification algorithms, you may realize that, you know, all of the items they're looking at have this, um, you know, satin stainless steel finish. Mm. So you can really peek out someone's interest. So next time they're looking, maybe they're going to their bathroom. Or they're looking for, um, you know, new doorknobs. Um, you'll recognize that okay, they're going to be interested in, in this one style. So you're really able to hone in on those interests and, and behaviors better by understanding the text patterns of of some of the data that that as they browse and, and enter text in the website. And those those would be those named entity recognition, uh, correct? That's that's one algorithm yep. to use um, definitely. But but yeah the the unsupervised learning to kind of group customers together to, to group those behaviors together. And then um, we can use supervised methods. Once we know a, a certain 
classification we can we could you know put customers or put products or put um uh you know sessions into these segments to understand you know this person is interested in, in this type of, of product line or this type of uh, of service and then with the with the advent of ai i'm guessing that the the next phase um of the the solutions that you're deploying, it mentions recommender systems and, and things like uplift modeling. So now you're able to actually predict and offer recommendations and then, or upsell people. Yeah, I think this is, this has really been the evolution of data science um, and, and just advanced analytics in the enterprise. Um, you know, 10 years ago, you know, all of the projects I worked on, the, the businesses were looking for insight, right? Tell me, tell me something new I don't know about my customers or my business um, that'll help me, you know, change my my thinking about how I how I, I I plan programs around around my customers. And you know, a lot of the traditional statistical approaches work really great at that. We can say, well, you know, every two percent increase in this metric will result in a one percent increase in in customer sales. Um, and, you know, business managers, business executives, you know, got a lot of usefulness out of that. But, um, but I think marketers were, were kind of the, the early adopters to this and, and, you know, e-commerce really took it to the mm -hmm. next level where they realized that you know, we can put these systems into, you know, these production environments and get prediction off of them. The insight is great and we can change processes for that, you know, improve inefficient processes. But if we if we put them in production and take direct action based off those predictions, um, we can we can get a lot a lot of better results. So really, that led to well, let's find the algorithms that give us the best predictive quality. We don't we don't really care about the model assumptions, or um, you know, we want the models to be robust and we and you know, we we want the assumptions to hold up. Um, but really, we want to build systems that can out you know outperform the predictive power of, of a previous version of the model. So this, this has led to ever more sophisticated models. And that's, that's what's driven us to this, this deep learning approaches is in, in almost every application, it's, it's basically been shown that these deep learning algorithms can outperform a lot of the traditional algorithms that, that we've deployed. Now, they, they definitely have different requirements, right? For nor in order for them to perform that well, they need enormous amounts of data. That's, that's kind of where this, the big data ecosystem supports those platforms, right? So building off of small samples of customers, building off of a few attributes, these algorithms don't, don't work all that well. They, they work, on very, work well in very complex systems. You know, the other aspect of them is you know, even the scientists don't don't quite understand a lot of how the the neural networks work in between. We can't explain exactly how the algorithms work. So if you want that inference about the model, you want that insight that says, well, one percent increase of this you know, does a does a one one percent increase in the outcome, and we don't we don't get that insight. Really, what we get is you know a really accurate prediction of that outcome that we then can we can use and in our programs. And this is a real boon. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is the, the largest evolution that we've had in this industry. I used to tell people all the time that, you know, the problem with the analytics back in the day was it was a question engine. It just kept raising more and more questions. <laughs> and nowadays, you know, these systems are really built 
you know, to provide answers and to provide, you know, methodologies and, and to automatically, you know, integrate and present uh, the right solutions for customers before a marketer could ever, you know, analyze that data and decide. Well, we're, yep. we're, we're speaking with uh, Jack McCush. He's the principal data scientist uh, with Think Big Analytics, a Teradata company. Now, Jack, um, uh, Jack is going to be speaking at the Marketing Metrics and Analytics Summit on September 26th and 27th at the Standard Club in Chicago. Uh, if you want to go listen to Jack, and I would highly recommend that, uh, register at Insight xnetwork.com uh ien is their their uh, or ixn is their their uh, acronym but insightxnetwork.com just click on events and you will see that that's coming up uh be sure to register right away before they sell out on that uh jack we wanted to talk also with you you know just because of your experience and you're working with large enterprise corporations uh, a little bit to the marketing analytics landscape. And one of the things that uh, I thought was intriguing that you wanted to talk about was the push-pull between agencies and MarTech with, um, with in-house capabilities, because that's definitely um, something that we continue to see in the industry is that there's, there's huge agencies and there's data science agencies uh, every, everywhere else. But then large corporations, of course, are building these in-house teams. And then there's MarTech, you know, in between, uh, talk about that push pull that companies are, are going through right now between utilizing external sources and developing in-house. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's probably a good time in, in our industry to maybe take a step back, you know, as the, as it has evolved and, and, you know, kind of gone through quick jumps and quick changes and, and then slowed down into a, you know, a steady state period, over time. And I, I think we may be entering another steady state period just to take a look back at kind of how it has evolved, um, you know, over the past you know, 10, 15 years. And to me, it, I think it's clear that we're, we're going to see this pull between the in-house and the agencies, you know, for forever. I don't, I don't ever see it, you know, coming, coming to an end. And I, I say that because I think, you know, marketers are, are, are always going to be challenged with, you know, new channel opportunities. You know, there, there's always going to be a new platform out there for you to reach out to your customers and, and marketers are going to be challenged to understand if the, their audiences are on those platforms and, and the ability of that platform to, con, to convert their customers. So there's, there's always this, this risk out there for marketers to, to endeavor into new, new challenges, new, new channels. And the, the agencies are going to be the first ones that, that are going to, to make that leap. And, and some are going to be successful in those channels and, and others are not going to be successful in those channels. So, so there's, there's going to be this, oh, okay, let's, let's start moving into these, these new channels um, to a certain extent. But then as people in the agencies get experience and expertise building out the analytics to, to reach customers in those platforms, that talent is going to start to disseminate into the you know, into the large organizations, and you know the agency's power to to uh, reach customers in those channels is is going to be limited, and, and the enterprises are going to you know want to build that capability you know back in house and you know have a little bit more cost structure over it. So I I think there's going to be this constant push and pull um, in the industry, and I I think kind of where we're at now is it's it's you know, there was a, a big push 
um, to the agencies with, you know, with a lot of the new digital platforms and in the, in, in the last five years. But I think we're starting to see a lot of that talent disseminate back into large organizations. And there's a big willingness for them to, to build a lot of this expert expertise in-house, um, you know, sp- particularly on, on the analytics side. So I talk to you know, large organizations all the time where um, kind of, you know, some of the models that the agencies are, are providing um, these days, um, you know, they, they don't want to outsource the brain of, of their marketing anymore. They want, they want the brain to be internally, they want more control over that kind of the decisions about what interactions that customers get. So I think we saw a lot of the last five years, this, this, this pull to, now I think some of it was the, the cloud infrastructure and the ability of, of the service providers to, you know, to, to reach a broader audience, um, to, to, to be that brain. But I think the customers are, are, are more concerned now with the agencies, you know, being the, the arbiter of who sees what content and making the best decisions for the organization in that, that aspect. And they want to take control of the, that decisioning engine them, themselves and are building analytics teams and analytics capability in, in order to do that. I like that. I, I, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, the lifters and pushers kind of thing that, um, you know, having my own agency, what I'm able to do is, you know, test solutions across clients, you know, and then when I see that, you know, something is of value, present it to a client and then they can take it on internal, you know, and the nice thing is, is that the, you know, the organization doesn't have to go through that, that testing process and that, you know, whether something's a viable solution or not a viable solution, we can kind of take that off of the, the company's, um, you know, plate and, and that expense or even that failure. Uh, but I, I do think it's really important that the enterprises, you know, gain control over their own data and, and implement internal. So I, I, I like that push pull. That's a, it's a good conversation. And I think, um, I like how you said that, you know, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I see that as well. And one thing I've seen in this definitely, and as you mentioned the beginning, how, you know, the, the span of organizations, I, I think there is a pretty big divide between kind of the, the very large enterprises and the and kind of the, the medium sized enterprises and the, the small, you know, smaller companies, I, I, you know, the, the large enterprises, they have the resources. It, it actually is, they've come to the conclusion it's more cost effective for them to build this in-house right. than to the agencies where that tipping point is, I think is the hard question. So, you know, if you're a, you know, a $3 billion company spending a hundred million dollars on marketing a year, are you at that tipping point? I, I don't think anyone in the industry kind of knows that and has done a great study on that. So that, I think that's a, you try to, you know, as an organization, try to understand where you fit in that landscape. Have you made that tipping point? And I'm not something you know, that this is something I think a, a CIO and a CMO really need to try to contemplate. I'm not sure a lot of CMOs and CIOs are, are really trying to understand where they are on that on that landscape today. Yeah, we worked. Uh, uh, this is a few years back, but we were working with a large healthcare. Ins- it was a insurance firm, and it was pretty fascinating how they did it. They treated it like kind of an R and D budget that they had a you know a percentage of their overall marketing budget was applied to 
agencies and tools and, and stuff just, just for testing, you know, and mm -hmm. then, and they knew it was a loss, you know, they didn't, they didn't expect it to have a return on investment. Um, and they, of course, you know, they were a large enough organization that they could afford to do that. Um, but it paid off in the long run because they, you know, the discovery, you know, of what they were and the, the things that they were able to implement were, uh, pretty revolutionary. Yeah. I think the, the industries that are interesting right now in, in this transition are definitely the health insurance industries. We, we worked with um, uh, a couple of very large health insurance industries that, you know, as their business model, you know, kind of changed dramatically overnight with the ACA. Yeah. And then we see a pretty dramatic shift in the CPG space today as well, where, you know, the CPGs were, where their customers were retailers, they see an opportunity to go direct to the customers with, with the uh, you know e-commerce platforms, um, and I noticed a lot of them in testing this out actually outside the U.S. So if you know if you're a, a U.S. marketing firm today, um, I would look at some see what some of the CPGs are doing outside of the U.S. and you know, what what they're testing in Japan and India today, going direct to consumer. I think we're going to we're going to see a lot of that in the U.S. Um, in the coming years as well, and and have CPGs. You know, at that point they have to take you know, a lot of that marketing capability and, and a lot of them are building that capability today to, to enable that. Mm. That's pretty fascinating. Um, well, I, let's, let's go to the next, you know, conversation. And this is one that is the pain point, um, for every business, large and small talking about marketing attribution. Uh, we're, you know, we're obviously hitting a lot more mediums, a lot more channels, a lot more indirect, direct influence, you know, all of these different strategies, um, you know, for companies to, to invest in their marketing and try to get the message to the right person at the right time. But what's lost in a lot of this is marketing attribution and basically, you know, being able to align your budget and, and say that, you know, because we did this awareness campaign that impacted our, you know, uh, revenue by X. Can you talk to the advancements in marketing attribution? Yeah. And I think this is in a great example of that, the, of the previous question too, about the, the push and pull. So, you know, marketing attribution ha has been a, a pretty well-known um, uh, KPI uh, for, for quite a few years now. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of firms that, that did this as a service that were leaders in, in these algorithms. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Adometry was purchased by Google just a few years ago and, and um, was, was kind of the de facto standard in, in the industry. But there was a lot of other firms out there as well providing, providing these services. And I, I think, um, you know, a, a lot of firms you know, maybe five years ago built out these capabilities as a service. And, and they said, well, you know, is this essentially what we're doing is we're, we're sending you our customer interaction data, the conversion data, and you're telling us how much credit each one of those interactions get um, for that, for, for a conversion. Um, you know, that's, that seems like, uh, you know, some basic data, we should be able to build this analytic process in house so we, we originally started working with a lot of the insurance companies and financial institutions who aren't as comfortable you know, working with the, the, the analytics as a service providers. They, mm -hmm. they, they don't want to send a lot of their data outside of their firewall. 
to build these to build these capabilities in house. So that, you know that capability was was kind of critical for them to to build in house. Um, and then you know I think there's a, a lot of confusion about how accurate the models are, how to build accurate models. So I think you know a, a lot of companies didn't understand a lot of the math that was going into these these black box algorithms. Um, they they were getting an answer, and there's some um, risk avoidance by letting someone else kind of tell you this answer versus uh, an internal marketer kind of going out on a limb for a, a given a given method and approach. So that's that was one thing. As customers started bringing it in house, I think we we started seeing this tension between um, probably the digital the digital marketer. And the traditional marketing view who use media mix models as their kind of de facto um, KPI for the performance of, of different channels or different, uh, different campaigns. Um, so we've, we've worked with a lot of large companies where, you know, it really is a, a, a CMO level um, sponsored event where they have to say, you know, I'm getting one answer from this marketing mix model. I'm getting a different answer from my 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 digital marketing group and their and their attribution channels um why why can't we why can't these two algorithms agree i need i I need these two algorithms to tell me a similar answer for me to make uh you know make the best decision for the for the company so we worked with a lot of customers to to help them build out the internal attribution algorithms to where they're going to agree or, or more likely agree with those those media mix models that are, you know, take a different approach to, to the analysis. And that's an incredible undertaking. I mean, I, I, I would gather that, you know, the one thing that you obviously need again is the mountains of data, you know, the historical data to be able to uh, analyze attribution. And then at the same time, it's, it's probably a lot like trying to juggle balls in the middle of a hurricane or something, because, all of the mediums and consumer behaviors are constantly changing as well. And your competitive landscape is changing at the same time. So you're, you're, that's a really, really complex issue. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not a, an easy problem to solve. And I, and I think there is probably a lack of understanding about the assumptions of, of the different approaches beforehand to, to think that, um, you know, these two, they were actually trying to, you know, they were, both of those analytics were trying to, they were designed to give you different types of analytics. So, you know, digital attribution in, in the first place was somewhat of a, um, you know, design, the systems were designed to build to the, the, the very short window of interaction. So, you know, an email, a display ad, um, you know, a, a, a search advertising click, and then a conversions um, when you think about a longer sales cycle and think about how a customer interacts for you over maybe months, um, then, you know, do those same algorithms work for you? Um, you know, if you're looking at someone maybe at different stages of the sales cycle, so, you know, maybe someone that, you know, is the, the top of the funnel where you're trying to build brand awareness versus someone that's, you know, lower down on the funnel, you know, do those same attribution algorithms work? I think what we found is, um, you need to build a lot more complex attribution algorithm than probably what the the digital marketer originally deployed for for their for their step. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the you know the complexities of media mix models is, has long well been known, 
and they take a very you know a very longer term view of your your spend across those channels. So I, I I won't say that we can get the algorithms to always agree, but we get them to to agree, um, you know, more closely agree with one another. And the other thing is to look at kind of the assumptions of those models and to be clear with the stakeholders about the assumptions of the model. So explain why they why they won't agree with one another, and then try to take you know into account those assumptions. You know, maybe give some estimates for the impact of those assumptions on on the difference of of the models. And really what it is, it's just providing transparency, you know, to that executive who's trying to make decisions about how much to spend or how much to allocate to these, to these different channels, where to invest your marketing dollars across those, across those channels. And, and definitely it's, it's not easy, right? The, the measurement capabilities is as great as they are with digital. Not every channel gives you that, you know, this customer saw this <laughs> ad that this website at this time, right? So, um, you know, we, we get you know, different levels of information about, about customers and different aggregates from our different, our different sources. Um, I think what we've seen is, you know, the, if you're a large enterprise, use that to your advantage, right? You can, you can push your service providers to provide you with more and better data. And I think, I think that's one trend that we're seeing, um, in, in this marketing landscape is if, if you, if you have that analytic horsepower behind your organization, you know, it's, it's the, the same old axiom of garbage in garbage out. You, you need better data to make better decisions. So, so push those, you know, push your partners to get, to get you more rich data about those, about those interactions. Um, and, and for the most part, you know, that, that the data almost always pays off. You may have to pay a premium for that data, but it, but it's worth it in in the long run, and if it's not worth it in the long run, then you may have to question whether that that type of interaction is is worth it in the long run. Wow, yeah, absolutely, and and I'm I'm guessing that uh, you know AI and deep learning are really playing the critical role now in optimizing those models and and maybe setting those expectations on you know percentage of, you know, error or percentage range, you know, of accuracy there. Yeah, actually, actually where AI comes into place is, you know, with, with any algorithm, um, you know, that with attribution, one of the hard parts is we don't, we don't know what the true allocation is. We're, we're coming to an estimate of the allocation. So the only, the only way to really determine if that, that allocation is, is right is to test it. Um, and AI gives us, um, you know, a great, you know, when we're thinking about the next best action or the next offer or the next interaction to, to give them, AI gives us um, a good way to implement testing strategies where we, we know this, you know, this interaction may not be the best, but it's the best giving. We have to incorporate the appropriate amount of testing across these, across these platforms. So, you know, traditionally we've had, you know, the, a B testing control groups, but but it's it's gotten a lot more a lot more complex than that. Um, and and one of the companies I've I've worked with, um, one of the largest um, e-commerce customers in the in in the world, um, they have a, a tremendously complex testing infrastructure that you know they they can only you know, only someone like them could afford to build out themselves. Um, but but you know a lot of the tools out there have come 
a long way for you to, to build out those, those testing infrastructures. But the, the AI is really the brain behind what, what that alternative action is to, in order for you to appropriately evaluate those tests. Hmm. And that's where they need to hire Jack. <laughs> well, yep, that's, that, that testing infrastructure is definitely complex and something we, we help customers set up a, a lot. That's incredible. Wow. What a, uh, I, you know, I'm geeking out a little bit here that you're just on the cusp of everything that's happening right now. That's got to be absolutely fascinating. Well, uh, once again, everybody, we are speaking with Jack McCush, uh, principal data analyst at Think Big Analytics, a Teradata company. Um, Jack is, uh, to continue this conversation, go see Jack in uh, Chicago. He is speaking September 26th and 27th at the Standard Club at the Marketing Metrics and Analytics Summit. Um, that's put on by InsightXNetwork.com, IEN. I had IEN right the first time. Dang it. Um, but I, I'll, uh, a little bit of, uh, a little CTA call to action here for, uh, that summit sitting at the burgeoning intersection of marketing and data science, IEN's marketing metrics and analytics summit will provide you with all the practical know-how you need to take your organization's marketing measurement game to the next level. Whether you're looking to fine tune your organization's marketing spend, uh, considering implementing new analytics tools, an executive wanting a deeper understanding of how your marketing dollars are being put to use, or you just simply don't know where to start. This is the conference for you. And I'm guessing Jack, that, um, your presentation is going to be, uh, really speaking to, to, to how these large enterprise corporations are pushing these technologies to the limit. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to be talking about how the you know the, the new and varying techniques for attribution are are being deployed, um, and then also you know, how uh, how customers are starting to think about AI and deep learning in in the marketing context. Fantastic. Well, Jack, I I just want to thank you for taking the time today and and speaking to our audience. This is really fascinating. And um, for folks, of course, go to uh, teradata.com. Jack, any other resources that you'd recommend? Yeah, you can also look at our service portfolio at thinkbeganalytics.com. Uh, we have a lot of great resources out there, a lot of the, the tools and analytics capability that, that ThinkBig provides to the companies around the world. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Jack. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.